This is the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. If you're curious about innovations in ag tech, rural entrepreneurship, ag sustainability, or food security, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hey there, thanks so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I am an agribusiness recruiter. So if you know anybody looking to hire or be hired in the business of agriculture, I'd sure be glad to talk to them. You can send me an email, tim at aggrad.com, A-G-G-R-A-D.com. Hey, really excited about the episode today because one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is to be able to take sort of high-level ideas where we talk about problems and solutions with our food system and our agricultural supply chains and break them down into actual uh, real solutions that can be implemented. So whenever I get a chance to bring on not only a startup founder that's trying to innovate in the space, but also a farmer customer, I leap at the chance because we really get to see sort of where the rubber meets the road. And in this case, uh, uh, the episode today is about nutrient cycling and the manure economy. We've heard about that. If you go back to episode 99 with Jason Mock, fantastic episode about how he's doing this in his operation. Um, And then we've also talked about it through the Stories from the Soil series last fall and through talking to Ken McCarty of McCarty uh, Family Farms Dairy earlier, maybe about a month ago uh, on this show. So check out those episodes as great context. And we're going to elaborate even further about what that looks like in practice, because we are in the midst of what what people are calling the sharing economy with Airbnb and Lyft and, and uh, Uber. And basically what's happening is we're utilizing technology to realize capacity that we never knew existed. We never knew that spare bedroom could actually be a hotel room. We never knew that our uh, two back seats in our car could be used to transport other people and generate revenue. And we're the same thing is happening sort of in this manure economy. Uh, we talk a lot about one of the biggest problems with agriculture is recycling nutrients. So once a nutrient in the form of fertilizer hits a farm, we're going to use some of them. But what about the excess capacity? Likewise, in animal agriculture units, when we bring feed in, in the way of nutrients, and we take out whatever that um, uh, food product is, and in the dairy's case, it may be, you know, milk for cheese, uh, milk, ice cream, etc. You know, what happens to the excess capacity? Does it go in a lagoon or is there a way we can utilize technology to realize that? That's what we're talking about here today. Ross Thurston on the show, co-founder of Livestock Water Recycling. This is a company that that is implementing a technology in animal agriculture units to uh, recycle the water and the nutrients from these animal agricultural systems. Along with Ross, we have one of their customers, Jay Benversi. He's the owner of Robin Way Dairy in Kiel, Wisconsin, as well as Bucky Organics, which is a side business he started only because he was implementing this system. And all of a sudden he said, hey, I've got a marketable product to supplement my income on the dairy. And you'll hear why he's bullish on that being a, a significant source of his revenue and possibly even expanding into things like energy in the future. Uh, just to give you a little context, so Jay's dairy that he operates with his wife, Pam, uh, is a 1,700 cow dairy, as I said, in Kill, Wisconsin. He's a third-generation dairy farmer. Uh, they also have 1,700 acres of land, 600 of those irrigated. Um, and he has implemented the system recently and is going to share his thoughts and, and what's worked for him uh, in his business. I think you'll enjoy this. This really speaks to uh, not only what this show is all about, making ag innovation real, but also um, – this nutrient cycling concept where I think that there's a lot more opportunity here. You heard Jason Mock talk about it for creating this sort of manure sharing economy and in, in, in more broadly than manure, this nutrient 
cycle, this nutrient sharing economy. Very cool stuff. We're going to start off. Ross is going to tell us kind of how he got into trying to solve this problem. Little word of warning here is that my audio was not perfect on this episode. Um, Jay's audio just wasn't coming through quite as good as Ross's was. I'm working on this issue. In fact, I'm, I'm implementing a new system for doing my interview. So in general, I think the audio quality will go up. So bear with me. I apologize. Please don't uh, rake me over the coals on the internet about how bad my audio is. I think we're going to get the problem resolved. But I did want to give you a word of warning that uh, this one uh, it can be a little bit difficult to hear at times. I hope you won't have too much of a problem. Here's my interview with Ross and Jay. Well, we we had always worked in the environmental space. So we, we were looking for a really good market where we could, you know, the best environmental plays are ones where you can recover value. And ag uses 70% of water and manure is the biggest, most impactful thing in it. And we realized that, you know, when a, when a, when a farm buys feed, they buy um, energy, they buy nutrients, and they buy micronutrients, and the cow only uses a portion of those. And so they're left with this, uh, with this material that, that um, can be converted to, to a lot of value. And, and frankly, we were really tired of not being able to create value for our customers. And, uh, and so that's why we like the market. And did you, uh, did, did, is this the product you started the company with or, or is there, was there a different product and then it led to this? Well, we, we were doing, you know, we were working in pollution control and we were working in remediation and a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the ground had been cleaned up and a lot of the, you know, pollution control and water had, had advanced to a place that, that the technology was. I mean, not as not as inspirational to us, not as exciting. You know, simply doing pollution control means that you're not really creating value for your customers, so it's not really sustainability. And mm-hmm. and when we started this, the whole you know the whole the word sustainability was new, and we were like, what does sustainability really mean? Well, to us, it meant making a, a value change and creating value for customers that made their their operations work better and more in keeping with with uh environmental you know expectations and values Mm -hmm. and and i know with what jay just said he he's producing so much uh you know nutrients from this system that uh, he's actually selling the excess is that common uh with with users of lwr well it's i i it's it's shocking to, I think it shocked Jay and it shocked myself how really, really good the, the fertilizer quality is that comes out of the system. You know, as always, we, we never really thought that we were going to create mu- a, a lot of, um, you know, real intense fertilizer value. But it, it, the, un- the, the part that we didn't really know was how, how much uh, – Fields in the, in the United States, particularly, but in, in any you know any first world nation, have been impacted by the use of synthetic fertilizer, and they've been stripped of a lot of the micronutrients and the organics. So, the while the NPK value is kind of average in our in our material, when you put it on a when you put a when you put all the micronutrients and the calcium, magnesium, the organics on those fields, it's super restorative, and you know, you find that the that the yield increase is is really substantial because of those those products, 
and being able to take a manure and convert it to precision agriculture, you know, which is a very, a fairly, um, uh, sort of thought, you know, it's sort of a thought, uh, of, of, of this day and age around agriculture. And we we're taking manure and going from a waste product to making it into a precision agriculture. It's attractive for the farms. And then a number of the farms are able to export the products to either for use for increased yield or to sell them. It's a long-winded answer, but as we've moved through this thing, we see huge impacts in, in, the, in our ability to make almost a fuel for renewable natural gas with these products and to, and to make a, 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 an excellent quality non-synthetic fertilizer that has, uh, you know, it, it's not for everyone, but there's certainly a substantial number of, of farms that can use it in their, with their products. And can you tell us kind of the events leading up to implementing this LWR system? Um, what caused you to want to look at something like this? You know, what, what was the problem you were trying to solve for your operation? Well, you know, we had a, uh, we were milking a thousand cows uh, when I, and, and, and one, there's a couple different things. Number one is we want to fix, uh, be more environmentally friendly, um, have a good, give farming a good reputation on manure. So that was a, was one reason. The second reason was um, when I expanded from a thousand cows to 17 uh, cows, um, our land base was pretty much done. So our, what I mean by that is I would either have to purchase more land. And at the time, land prices were $7,500 to $8,000 an acre, which really is an equity killer if you have to go buy a bunch of land. And all the land around me that we've been putting manure on over the years built, were built up in manure uh, nutrient value. So if I did pick up land, it was going to be pretty far away from our day. And it costs a lot of money to haul manure long distances, haul water long distances, let's say that. So that got me intrigued um, because with the LWR system, you're removing 68% of the water and it eliminates a lot of hauling costs. And um, the other thing about it that intrigued me was the fact that, you know, always, everyone's trying to save water on the, on the planet. And, and with our system, we are saving 16 million gallons a year from pumping out of our wells. And we're reusing it on our dairy. So we're reusing it for um, washing down power floors, washing equipment, um, to fill in foot baths and even watering some animals. So it's really nice that we're actually getting a chance to recycle and be environmentally friendly to the environment. The, the second part of it was um, we had a, a manure storage that was at full capacity for a thousand cows or 700 cows actually. And when we went to 1700 cows, it costs it costs money to put up a lagoon storage. So our attention was well, we can do something that not only helps the environment and um, eliminates manure storage, but also will reduce smell because instead of putting up another lagoon, we're not putting up another lagoon. So it actually takes away smell because you have less 
storage on the farm of manure, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so that were all things, all things led into it, I guess. Uh, um, I guess is what, what I'm telling you. So, so tell me, uh, you, you know, you mentioned you had the option to build a lagoon, uh, but the lagoon was going to require space that you really didn't want to give up. Uh, what, talk to us about the economics of this, of implementing a system like this. Well, there's many different, you know, I didn't know this when we first bought it, but there's many different economic advantages to this, to this system. The first, you know, economic that comes out of your head right away is, well, you don't have to haul as much water, right? So your hauling cost is going to be less. So i give you an example to haul manure five to ten miles away on trucks in your wrecking roads and damaging roads, and, and people don't like that, right? So the more trucks you can take off the roads is, is the better um, for the county, for the state, and for, for everyone. So that's a, a big benefit. But the economics of that, so you decrease your hauling costs. That's number one. The second one was, which I didn't understand until we started running the system, was all the fields that are close to my farm are high in phosphorus. So what we're doing with this system is you're taking out the phosphorus in, in a solid form, you're squeezing out the water, and you have the solid form that you can haul farther away. Well, the fields farther away that you don't own are low in phosphorus. And typically, uh, a hay field, for example, that's under 40 parts per million, you are losing yield on those farms. So we have some fields that are under, under 40 parts per million. And by adding this phosphorus product to those fields, put nutrients where they're needed, you can bump the yield on your fields two tons to an acre, which, which uh, on a hay crop at $150 a ton, that's $300. So there's a lot of value of putting just the phosphorus in the places it needs it. Whereas at the home farm, where the phosphorus is high, putting more phosphorus on that land does no good. It's not going to increase your yields. But it needs it needs nitrogen and it needs potassium every single year. So if we can remove the phosphorus out of the water and we have a and we take the water out, we'd have a high nitrogen and high potassium product that we could still put on the fields at a higher amount at a lower cost because we're not pumping as far. And, and I find we have irrigation. So what we found out is on corn crops, when the corn is like half, like like chest high, we could teaspoon out a little bit of nitrogen product every week. And by the end of the season, you're going to have a five-ton bump. You've got no leaching going on um, because you're putting on a small inclusion rate. Mm-hmm. So, so there's some economic, uh, advantages to this that we weren't expecting. Now, there's also some other advantages that we have uh, explored into. We, we started a company called Bucky Organics, um, and we, we sell a product called Bucky Bloom. <laughs> um, you can look it up. And uh, what we do is uh, we've been able to market that to nurseries, landscapers, um, bigger farmers that have low phosphorus levels, um, we, we may able to take this product um, and dry it in a dryer 
and that's becoming a real marketable product. And we've also been able to bottle the uh, nitrogen um, and sell it as a gallon jugs and uh, be able to sell that as a nitrogen source for people that need nitrogen and one natural, organic type of product. And Jay, for you, from a sort of customer experience standpoint, um, how does how does life look different for, for you from before the system to now? Um, it's really changed my way I've been thinking. Uh, things more, becoming more of a marketer. Uh, <laughs> I never thought I'd be a marketer for fertilizer. Um, and I, I realized now, after a couple of years of experience and, and having different people try our product that, I mean, from, I'll give you an example, a guy used it on his tomatoes, um, and a school used it on his tomatoes, one that he tried with, one without, and their production for a minimal investment, um, they got almost 2,000% return, because they, they went from having a couple tomatoes to having like 40 to 50 tomatoes, because they didn't have the organic matter in the, in the soil. And um, it just has changed the way we totally think about daring. I, it, it's just a totally different concept. That's great. And so are, are you, have you developed kind of a separate business for just for selling the, this fertilizer? Or is it just kind of all part of the dairy and it, it's just a new task for you to, uh, to take on because it's generating revenue? Now, we, we started a new company. Uh, it's called Bucky Organics um, that we started. Uh, where we package, we actually package uh, manure, dry it, and we package bottles and we sell bulk as well. Um, we, we created a separate company just because I knew it was going to take a lot of marketing and, and we wanted some uh, sales force on it and uh, just to create more revenue. Um, it is just starting to really take off. Uh, really exciting. There's so many places out there that use don't want to use synthetic fertilizer. You just gotta go out and find them, but they're out there. And uh, there's a huge advantage uh, for guys that using natural, organic fertilizer. And one of the benefits that we don't even think about is the microorganisms that are in manure. The microorganisms, you put it, it's like inoculating the soil. You put it in the soil, and those microorganisms, they go and they go. If there's a plant nutrient in the soil that's, that's been bound up, it's going to go in there and attack it. It's going to break it down and make it available for the plant. That is one of the biggest advantages of manure that people don't even talk about, um, is the microorganisms in manure. Yeah, that is great. And, and Ross, from, from your perspective, uh, so you, you're in Canada. Uh, Jay is is in Wisconsin. Um, so you all are are you are you guys selling this system globally, or just in North America, or how are you looking at that? Well, this you know we've we've done we've done run ups before in environmental, but this is the first time we've really had such an experience with the internet and the and and you know communication that's either email or Skype or whatever, but yeah, we're selling it globally. And I would say, you know, 20% of our inquiries, we consider the United States to be our prime market, but you know, we're doing business in Europe and, and, uh, and other parts of the, of the world. 
Um, some of it's a little preliminary and some of it's very active and it's, it's really, uh, the, <laughs> it, when you do what we do, people find you. There aren't a lot of solutions out there and, and somebody who needs to do what Jay has done is will find us. Right. And I, and I know in Jay's case, he was telling us earlier that he was looking at having to build a lagoon and kind of limited on space. And this just made a lot more sense on multiple levels. What is the typical narrative or the, or the, sort of the pain point that drives a producer to reach out and say, I got to do something. Um, I think that everybody, everybody I talk to wants to do something. They're attracted to the idea. They like it. It's that we get to pe people have to do it in some places. And I don't mean they have to do it legally. They, they're just like, we can't keep doing what we're doing. In Jay's case, he couldn't, like, I, I missed part of that conversation. There was the lagoon, but there was also, he wasn't going to be able to economically expand by hauling manure to farther away areas of corn ground. That was an economic decision. Um, you know, we have people that, that need water. We have people that um, can't can't keep growing crops because they're so over over applied close in uh, we have dairies that we we put systems on because they and I don't know if you touched on this in your conversation but our system cleans up the dairy and if you're using a lot of flush with a lot of solids you can end up with high somatic cell counts or actually physical problems in that flush and and they they bought our system simply to clean up the flush because they can't keep uh, keep operating the way they are. So there's a little driver or a number of drivers that happen, but it's just really dairies were designed around clean water and good nu nutrient segregation, and that's not what happens over time with manure. It's the place for where good planting some, sometimes dies, and we are we're able to make a make a dairy efficient, and ultimately that's. Some people need to get that efficiency right away, so they, they buy our product. And, and what does that look like buying your product? Is it is it uh, the upfront investment for the for the system itself? I imagine is there an ongoing uh, maintenance that goes along with that? Um, we have a few different models for the for the channels, but generally it's a long term asset. We ship it out in a shipping container or on a truck. The you know at this point the the customer unloads it. Um, connects it up and we've certainly had success starting them remotely um, just over the phone with our with our technical group and the and the farm operator and away they go um, it is usually a capital investment but there are some other there are some other channels that people have access to uh, to get one to get the technology working for them and we have several uh, people who listen to the show that that aren't producers. Uh, they're just sort of interested in agriculture from a distance. Um, what would you say uh, to, to more of the sustainability aspect? What why should uh, you know non-producers care about uh, dairy uh, dairies using systems like this? Well, you know, it goes back to the. I hate to say the whole, the whole new Green Deal that just came out. Um, except we're not eliminating the cows farting, but, uh, uh, you know, that's one thing you're doing is, what's really exciting is that, that 16, I can't say this over again, out of our dairy, 16 million gallons of clean water. So we're not pumping, we're, we're taking away from pumping out of, our, out of our wells, 16 million gallons of water. So if you look at that, I know there's a shortage of water going on in the United States. 
in Colorado, you're buying water. California, you're buying water. And if a dairy can take that water from a cow, recycle it, reuse it, how exciting is that? That is, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the environmental impacts of being able to put phosphorus on land that needs it instead of having too much phosphorus on land that would cause uh, algae in the lakes and the streams and runoff. So what a great opportunity for us to help the environment and uh, in all different ways. There's there's a couple of, of things that I'd add to that that, you know, maybe aren't, weren't relevant to Jay at the time. I know one of them was, but um, and the other one maybe is less obvious, but there's a there's an abatement like greenhouse gases are, are reduced in the 85 to 90 percent range on a on a dairy related to the lagoon. You know, so lagoons have been have been associated with um, a fair bit of methane. Um, generation and, and knocks in the in the fields and we get we eliminate that by by segregating the the materials the liquids and the solids but the other one and I, I is odor and jay's dairy i would say you know he could put a number on it but i'd say it's 90 percent reduced in odor you can't you can't uh you don't really know a dairy is there when there's when there's high corn and that wasn't always the case. I don't think. I don't know if Jay'd agree with that. But I, I people come there from all over the place. And they go, why doesn't this dairy have a have a strong manure odor? Hmm. You know? I have to, I have to agree with Ross on that. When I had seven hour cows and I didn't have the system, my dairy smelled worse than that seventeen hundred cows. And and it wasn't just Ross telling me this. I, I had people come up to me and say, your dairy doesn't smell as bad. I'm not saying it doesn't, it doesn't smell. It still doesn't smell. It's still dairy. But it didn't get any worse. It, it didn't get any worse. So you had a thousand cows and not getting worse, that's a win. And, and is it is it uh, conceivable, Jay, or maybe you're already doing this, uh, is it conceivable that you could, um, if you had the land, actually produce produce the feed for your cows and then nourish the land back with using this system in kind of a totally closed cycle or is that a pipe dream when you say that we don't buy any fertilizer in our dairy we haven't bought fertilizer in our dairy since we put the system in and actually there's quite a few days that don't buy any any fertilizer at all so yeah i guess that's called a closed loop system right right but i i I think what happens is, is that you, like a dairy will grow its own silage and the, the, the cow will create enough nutrients for that silage. But when Jay brings in feed from outside of that silage area, he's bringing in nutrients and he has to be able to export those nutrients back out. That's really what's happened to, to dairies, I think, in general, is that the import of feed that creates this excess in nutrients that then needs to go back to where they make feed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that your read on it, Jay? Yeah, can I add one more thing to that? You know, when we didn't have this system, because, you know, a lot of farms, what they used to do was put manure on closest to their farm, right? Because it was cheaper to do, right? Yeah. That makes sense, form. right? So what, what happens is, eventually, if you just could put manure on land, 
your phosphorus levels are going to continue to grow to a point where you can't put that much on. You can still put some on, but you just can't put that much on. So what happens is there's not enough nitrogen for to support the crops. Does that make sense? So in the, in the past, what you'd have to do, this is another economic advantage, okay? I forgot to mention to, about this. So this, this day, for example, you could only put 7,000 gallons on per acre. But it really, for nitrogen, it needed about 24,000 gallons, okay? So you're not getting it. Mm-hmm. And you really can do that because you cannot, you know what, as farms, we are controlled by how much phosphorus you put on your land so that we don't have runoff going into streams and lakes and stuff like that. So a farmer has to turn around, and he has to buy nitrogen and buy potassium so it's an out-of-pocket expense, and he has the nitrogen, he has it on his farm, but he can't utilize it. But now when you pull that phosphorus out and you export it, you that area, now you can put the 24,000 gallons of nitrogen on that it needs. Mm-hmm. Or it, but now you took the water out, so it's only going to be like 16 or 17,000 gallons to meet the nitrogen needs, and so we don't have to buy any nitrogen or potassium. So that's an economic advantage. And Ross, did you have something to add to that? Jay, uh, Jay has a, a tremendous amount of detailed information, but overall I think that that uh, from a sustainability um, perspective, the, the what we do in, in terms of compacting and, and segregating the nutrients lets the manure economy works so that you can take nutrients back to your feed sources, which you never were able to before and connect them to the dairy. So, you know, the, the, the a segregate, a, a part of the material segregated and it goes to growing silage and a part of it either directly or indirectly is exported out to the feed, gen, the feed producer. And then that can come back to the dairy and that linkage never used to be used to happen. So it's both economic and environmental in, in, in creating that, those linkages around the manure economy. And what I see going forward is we'll be able to connect uh, energy generation as well. So it's, it's really a, it's really a pod that let, you know, lets you do a lot of things where you couldn't before. Yeah, I, I like that term manure economy, and we've used that on a, on a previous episode here too. Uh, as as producers like Jay and others are using systems like this to get better at capturing nutrients and, and sort of uh, bringing the consistency so that they can maybe fetch more value from them, does it open up an opportunity for like a, a nutrient marketplace? Does anything like that exist? How, how do producers that are generating this new asset market their products? I, in my opinion, they're making a, a better, I mean, ammonium nitrate started in the second war. So that technology has been used widely. And I think that Jay is producing a better, more comprehensive fertilizer. That's, that's a lot gentler on the, on the ground, right? It's, it's got the micronutrients and, and the microbes and the, and the organics. So I think those producers are, are, are going to be a, uh, a generator of fertilizer they make it, it you'd ask about what it's like coming out well it's very consistent through the year doesn't matter how thick or thin the manure is it comes out the same as a product and as those link j there as the linkage between cash cropper and dairy farm um are are strengthened because they can deal over distance i think you really will see 
um, a, a manure economy there that that closes what was previously probably a loss of 70 percent um, uh, in the in the uh, you know workings of manure and fertilizer and feed and, and uh, silage. Inevitably, when we talk about issues like this, somebody is going to bring up the question of um, medication. So if, if, you're, if you're giving your cows any sort of medication, uh, does that end up in the fertilizer and then end up on, you know, potentially uh, the crops? Is, is that something that has been, is, a, is that a concern and, and why or why not? Our farm uh, uses very few antibiotics. In fact, uh, a lot of the farms, because because of the health of the cows getting so good, we're getting to the point where we, we don't use any antibiotics at all. Yeah, because you've, you've been able, with the cleaner water, you've been able to get rid of your mastitis and stuff, eh? Yeah, and if, if I mean, we're, we're to the point in our operation, we're thinking about going antibiotic-free. Mm-hmm. What does the change need to look like in most dairies? I mean, do you need to actually change the way that the manure is captured, or is that already in place and you just need to kind of change where it goes? In general, dairies in first and second world nations are very, very similar. You know, similar genetics, similar setup, and so there's a, there's a very large market for us. In some ways, it's been a luxury or specialty item, but in other ways, I think it's that people are very, very slow to change. It's a very tight commodity um, market, and nobody wants to make a mistake. And I know a lot of dairies that that have been watching Jay for a long time to see what the kind of longer term impacts of, of what he's doing are. And as those lessons are learned, I expect the adaptation of the technology will increase substantially because it's, you know, it, it, there's so many great um, close, cl- closings on losses. Um, no, like what, what we learned very on as a business was that these were projects. I mean, even Jay, he had a whole project go on around this, around this thing. And part of it was that he needed to upgrade his, his, uh, flush system. But what we, we changed the word project to product and we, we have set this thing up so that it can slide in kind of a, one of several different points on a dairy, you know, an existing dairy, anything over a thousand cows will have everything set up that we need so that you, you know, unpack, set up and turn on. Um, and enjoy the benefits in a very, very short period of time. Yeah, it's ex- it's exciting, really. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to just one more thing because I know we're closing out on time here. But uh, I, I'm going to rehash a question I kind of asked before, but I just want to ask you one more time, Ross, if I can. Why, why, sure. why didn't this happen before? Like, why doesn't this already exist? Why don't more dairies already use a system like this? I, I think that the the I mean the product itself has been around for in a really useful, usable form for four or five years. And there's been, you know, there's been technology acquisition and application. And some of it's gone, some of it hasn't worked that great. And some of it's been really, really um, impactful and worked really well. And those stories um, get told and they get examined. And dairy is, is not, and not, quick to change you know they they want to make sure that they're making the right the right move um and it's you can see it in other technologies robotics everything else so they're going to make good decisions and those good decisions are based on real information and jay has probably been running that system five years now jay 
Yes. Four years. Yep. And all of that information, you know, has, has got to be examined and shared and seen so that a farm of the future, um, which is, you know, being, being manned by the second or third generation, um, will make a good decision about how to go forward in a sustainable way. And I, I think it's really just about the story and the information. And, and manure, manure is the single biggest impediment to them growing and having success over the next 20 years both on the you know the both on the the consumer customer facing part of their business and on the actual operations and the way that they they can manage their herd i one of the most exciting things to me like dairy farmers unbeknownst to to some people absolutely love cows Uh, it's funny because i'll talk to a dairy farmer he goes well i want to cut back but i still need to have three or four hundred cows because i love them so much But, you know, they want to treat the cows well, and, I, and both because they produce more milk that way and because they love cows. And this, this is something that I think lets them do that, you know, lets them take, take better and better care for their cows. And uh, when, that real, when that really starts to shine, you know, I, I think that it's a much easier buy decision for them. Uh, that's a great final word from Ross. Let's get a final word from Jay. What what would you say, Jay? Uh, anybody listening here that might be interested in a concept like this? The whole philosophy of farms is, is, is really changing. It used to be we all milk cows to make money out of milk. Now it's, it's someday it's going to be you're going to make more money from manure than you will from milk. And it sounds like energy too. You you kind of touched Ross earlier on energy. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, I I think that there's, you know, the millennial buyer and voter is is the biggest consumer group this year or next year, and they're not going to be put off with a with a casual. Well, we're doing what we can. They want to know substantially that there's been a change and and. There, I mean, there's a there's a an in, initiatives around about renewable natural gas, and I'm from an oil and gas town, so people are people tend to be pretty skeptical in my social circle. But I've just seen, you know, a conversion from taking manure and turning it in, into bedding and electricity to turning it into bedding and um, natural gas that can go in vehicles, and the amount of of effort and money that's being spent to create renewable natural gas in a rational market to me is 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 probably the biggest expenditure of, of resource and effort i've seen in this in this area in the last five years now everybody's building a renewable natural gas facility and our what we what jay is doing is concentrating those those materials so a dairy will be able they have they haven't been able to get money for the the energy that's inherent in the manure and they haven't been able to get it for the nutrients within, you know, a short period of time, a couple of years, they'll be able to ex- extract that natural gas and extract that nutrient value and that, that efficiency will flow back to the farm. So it's, it's, it's all coming together quite rapidly and in a very interesting way. I really appreciate this, guys. I think it's a it's a it's an excellent story to tell, and I I do believe that uh, it's indicative of the way things are going, where uh, where you've got animal ag producers that are able to service, uh, you know, local 
farmers and, and people growing crops or even people growing stuff in, in the backyard and uh, creates more of a, a local circular manure economy. So thank you both for being on the show. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Ross and Jay. I'm very fascinated by this nutrient cycling concept, manure sharing economy sort of idea. I think uh, it's it's interesting how we can use the free markets to sort of take some of the extra capacity and the externalities that come with it environmentally um, and create incentives to, to do interesting work. So very, very excited to see where that goes. So if you have ideas for more guests along these lines or, or really anything that fits in, in agriculture innovation, specifically with ag tech entrepreneurship, uh, food security and sustainability, I'd sure love to hear from you. Uh, at, on Twitter is a great place. I'm at Tim Hamrich. Other than that, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and your attention and for your interest in making the world a better place through ag innovation. We'll be back next week. I hope you'll join us. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. If you like what you heard here today, I'd love to connect with you further. Go over to futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com. And let me know a good email address for you so we can keep in touch. Also, you'll be able to check out a ton of bonus content on the blog while you're there. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can catch another fascinating ag innovator here next week. Hey.